coming up on Millennial. Pfizer and Moderna were both listed as influential companies. Gotta give it to them. I feel like you could not mention these. How about Johnson & Johnson, though? Were they included? (laughs) I didn't notice them on the list. Wait, what about us? We made a vaccine, too. They're like, hey, ours kind of works. X-Men are next because they have Fox now, so it's like, eh. One could say with with great power comes great responsibility. Exactly. Ooh, you could. Exactly. You, could. you can't anymore. Disney owns that and they're going to sue you for saying that. <laughs> yep. If somebody came to my wedding and they flew to be there, I would not expect that person to get me a gift. Pam, do you hear this? Let's remember this for when Laura I, and Mark yeah, get married. Yeah, I know. The gift is <laughs> Andrew and I. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Welcome to Millennial, the home of fake adulting, but real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Did you guys hear about what's going on with Ezra Miller? This was a huge story. Yes. Please dish. Yeah. Okay. So for anybody who missed it, Ezra Miller, who, of course, uh, is an actor, you might know them from Perks of Being a Wallflower or the Fantastic Beasts franchise or the DC Universe, because Miller also plays The Flash. Uh, in that iteration of the adaptation. So last week, Miller was arrested in Hawaii after going up on stage during a karaoke performance. There was somebody who was singing Shallow from A Star is Born. It's not funny, but it kind of is. Because it's shallow, Um, yeah. And I guess they just just had a visceral reaction to somebody uh, daring to sing this song and uh, took the mic away from this person. It kind of goes a little bit further than that, because in addition to this story coming out, there was also a, a restraining order that was filed against them as well. Uh, apparently, Miller burst into a couple's bedroom, threatening them, and then stole the woman's passport and the man's wallet. And then in addition to this, AP also reported that since arriving on the island on March 7th, Miller has been the source of police calls 10 times. So has been clearly causing quite a storm out in Hawaii. And and they've gotten in trouble crazier and crazier. Yeah. And they've gotten in trouble before. There was that video that came out a couple of years ago and it looked like Ezra was throwing a woman to the ground. They've been caught up with the police before. So I don't know what's going on with them. I'm not going to make any assumptions, but they clearly need some sort of help. Pam, you heard about this emergency meeting that WB reportedly convened as well? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, WB and DC would agree with you that perhaps they do need some help because Rolling Stone actually reported this. So it's coming from, from their team. Uh, they had an emergency meeting on March 30th to discuss Ezra's future with the studio. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, their involvement in the Secrets of Dumbledore movie that's coming out this weekend. And then also the Flash solo movie is still set to debut sometime next year. So, you know, they're attached to some pretty big projects and it's kind of a big deal that they're trying to figure out what to do about this. And according to Rolling Stone, the plan is to pause production on Miller's future projects, including any DC appearances. But there hasn't really been much said with regards to whether they're going to pull out completely from these projects. So I wanted to know if you all have an opinion on what should be done. And also if we can envision a scenario where they just decide to recast entirely. 
It's happened before. (laughs) Um, WB has not shied away from recasting when necessary in the past. I point to Johnny Depp. um, And with that circumstance, there was not quite the level of current reporting happening. A lot of what we found out about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard was sort of reported on after the fact. With Ezra Miller, this is all pretty current. So I wouldn't be surprised and if they did a recasting. Um, I have not seen the third Fantastic Beast yet. So whether... Ezra would need to be recast in that franchise. I don't know yet. I have seen it, but I won't offer spoilers. I do feel like they will be able to write Ezra out if they want to between the third and fourth movies. But Johnny Depp was a perfect example of WB just not not wanting to deal with a problem anymore. So they just replaced them and it's going fine. Johnny Depp has his fans. And they're like, where's Johnny? Bring Johnny Depp back, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think it's going to have an effect on The Secrets of Dumbledore. There's other issues there that are going to affect the box office. So I think they just need to cut ties with Ezra and move on. That would be an easy win for them to nip in the bud. So speaking of Secrets of Dumbledore, I did see it last week. And I wanted to ask you to something. I went to one of these fan screenings. And you get to see the movie early. You get you got a hat. You got a poster. You got a wand. I turn into a big corporate shill for this movie. And there was two girls, one seat away from me, same row, wearing Mugglenet t-shirts. And I get there and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm gonna... I didn't say anything to them because I didn't want to cause a scene. It was a quiet movie theater. You know, nobody was talking. If I started being like, hey... I used to work at MuggleNet 2. People are going to start listening in. You know, I just wanted to be incognito at that screening. And then there was going to be all the fangirling. Right. Andrew would not know a moment of peace during the movie. But imagine, imagine the headlines if that was the reason this movie theater just could not show the movie. Andrew's just too popular. Caused a riot. I I didn't. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was there by myself. If I was there with somebody else, I would have said hello to them but i just didn't feel comfortable doing it while i was alone i also didn't want to reveal i was alone at a movie fair but anyway they're wearing my gonad shirts i don't say hi movie starts they are talking to each other the whole movie speculating repeating what the character said and pretty loudly they weren't even really trying to whisper i did not say anything because it was a fan screening but i was getting annoyed because i really mean the entire time they were talking during the movie should i have said something or was it right to let it go because it was a fan fan screening still a movie theater though Yeah, I mean, you didn't go to like a sing-along version of Secrets of Dumbledore, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just kind of feel like the the etiquette of movie-going should extend also to fans screenings. You know, I think it's okay to clap or gasp or cheer or whatever if you have a visceral reaction, but there's no point that you should be analyzing in depth what's going on on screen that's for after the movie you can just go down to like a coffee shop or the diner or like stand in the theater lobby and do that then i can still empathize with people (laughs) being excited you know Uh that's the thing and that's why i was like i shouldn't be a dick i shouldn't be a dick and what if they recognize me then Uh uh-oh yeah and then they're like all the rumors i've heard are true (laughs) 
<laughs> he really is an asshole. Imagine they're just <laughs> MuggleNet staff, and then all of a sudden, all the private slacks are about how Andrew was an asshole. Exactly, because we were talking during the movie and he didn't like it. And the other thing is, and Pam, you know this most of all, you explained this to us a few months ago, it can be difficult to hear movies these days. So I'm trying to discern what the hell is happening with these British English accents, and I can't hear things half the time, partly because of the bad audio in the theater and partly because they're like, oh my God, what did Dumbledore just say? Dumbledore Dumbledore just said blah, 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 blah. They were also like genuinely surprised with some of the twists, whereas I felt like I saw some of them coming. So I was happy for them. But that also caused them to have even bigger reactions when certain things were said. Anyway. Interesting. I was nice in that occasion. But yeah, if it was like a normal showing of the movie, I would I would have said something. I would have turned it with shh. Well, Excuse what we've you. learned is that you and Laura are way nicer than I am. Oh, Pam, you'll you'll freak out. I, no, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say anything, but it would really bother me. Like, I, I don't know if I would excuse the behavior because, like I said, you can do that after. And yeah. also, like other people, like you said, like you might might have missed something because they were talking. So it's yeah. just not nice to other fans there. Right. I've been really nice lately. I was excusing that person who was taking photos at the concert the entire time. Remember I told you two about that during After Dark? I was like, oh, that person's daughter probably just died. That's why they're taking pictures of a little piece of silver with uh, Dua Lipa. Once again, Andrew has to fabricate the most extremely tragic circumstances in order to muster the strength to give people empathy in these cases. I don't know why else they would be taking so many pictures and videos during the concert. Maybe that, that person's daughter was in the hospital and they wanted to cover the whole thing for them. I don't know. That's New Year, New Me. I'm trying to be more forgiving and understanding. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we wanted to try something new this week. We were thinking about uh, how we do recommendations every week. And we knew that we were all probably going to have the same recommendation this week. So we figure, why not have a quick uh, 15-minute or so conversation about the latest Marvel show on Disney+, Plus, Moon Knight. Um, So I know all three of us have seen the first couple of episodes. And I wanted to start it off just by asking y'all, what do you think? By the powers of Khonshu, I have been summoned. (laughs) Wait, what? Holy shit. Who's that? It is I. Security. It is I, Mark, the lurker of the Discord. I am here. <laughs> Holy hell. Oh, my God. It's like we start talking about Marvel or Smash, and he just, he's summoned. Pokemon. He appears. Oh, yeah. Laura's boyfriend and Marvel super fan, Mark. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Welcome back, babe. Howdy, guys. How's it going? Good. Great. Great. Glad to have you. So I guess we can ask you what you thought of Moon Knight as the Marvel aficionado of the four of us. Well, first of all, I got to say that I'm super excited that Marvel is finally doing this because Moon Knight's a really obscure character. Like I read comics all the time. I read comics since I was six years old and I saw him in comics, but like he's he was never like a center person like Spider-Man, you know, the X-Men, people like that. And it just shows how comfortable Marvel's getting that they can just get some random obscure character. Like, we're going to make a show about this person and just do it. Like, he hasn't been in any Marvel movies, right? Like, in all the other Marvel shows, they at least came from the MCU. Like, this is the first one that's of the Disney Plus shows that's just a completely new 
person altogether. And that's the benefit of Disney Plus, right? They can take more mm-hmm. risks like this. And they know the Marvel diehards will want to watch this and thus subscribe to Disney Plus. So they're locking in, them in more. But exactly. I do think it was really smart to roll this out after they've already established the series aspect of the MCU with better known characters. Mm-hmm. So they've hooked us in with, you know, people like Wanda and Vision and Loki and Hawkeye, who are good touchstones for people that are casual fans like we are, mm-hmm. you know. And so now they can introduce um, these other characters that, you know, us non-comic book readers might not know, but we still want that other piece of the puzzle. So we're going to tune in. Exactly. And honestly, like I've said this before, but Marvel, I think part of their success is they are finally giving the general population a intimate look into what reading comics is like, because watching a movie, watching a show, all those things. And at any point, some random person can pop in and it's like, oh, that's so-and-so from that random Marvel show or that MCU movie or whatever, like it makes you feel like you're reading one big story because like when you're reading a Marvel comic, it's not a Spider-Man comic. It's a Marvel comic with Spider-Man in it, right? You're seeing his Mm -hmm. side of whatever is going on and they're nailing that right now because every time you see any character, like look at Doctor Strange in a No Way Home, like people were like, oh, it's Doctor Strange and like it was a Spider-Man movie, but Doctor Strange had a pretty good pretty big part in that movie and now with strange 2 coming out they're like oh it's that wizard guy from you know that spider-man movie we saw so they're they're giving all these people even the most casual of viewers they're giving all these people breadcrumbs so when they do show that show back up you're like oh it's that person from whatever and then that way you go out and watch that other stuff to get that context if you want right because i mean if you never saw anything doctor strange related and you say no saw no way home you're like i get it he's a sorcerer he can do magic cool he knows peter somehow that's all you really need to know about him in that movie you know which is which is good right and what's so interesting about this latest installment and you've all alluded to this this show feels like something entirely new because they aren't dropping lots of heavy-handed hints that this pl- takes place in the MCU. Um, so I am just curious, zooming out a little bit, um, how do we like the show? Are we understanding it? Do we feel like it's a show that is sort of intended for both the Marvel super fans and general audiences who might not have known about this character previously? I put myself in the general audience camp, absolutely. And what I've liked about Moon Knight so far is that it is so different from traditional Marvel shows, I think, and movies. I've mentioned, I think, on the show, I'm kind of marveled out. It's too much for me, all of it, normally. Like, Loki was fine. Uh, uh, Wanda was fine. But it's just like, I don't need the movies and all these TV shows. However, Moon Knight, because it's so different and because there are so many questions with these first two episodes, third one coming out the day we record, um, I am intrigued because I do want to get some of the answers that Oscar Isaac's character is also looking for right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And honest, also, too, like, I feel like you're not you're not alone at all. Like there are plenty of people who don't really watch the shows and that's okay because like we didn't have the shows before 
they were all movies and they did a great job of telling an interconnected story. Right. And even there are mm-hmm. people I knew that didn't watch every Marvel movie, but when they did watch one, they were like, Oh, okay, I get it. Like I get what was going on in that movie. I wasn't lost. Right. Like yeah. maybe end game a little bit, but they do an okay job of being like, this is what's happening. Like this is the exposition. This is the setup. Yeah. Here we go. Right. So you don't really yeah. need, I mean, granted, I will always tell people to watch the shows cause they're great. But like, if, People are like, oh, I don't want to watch it right now. You don't have to. And they'll always be there. They're not like they're going anywhere, right? So if you do ever feel like, you right. know what? I want to watch a Marvel show I've never seen before. Then now you have a complete way. I mean, now I'm jealous because I now you have a backlog of like three shows yeah. that I, you know, that I've already watched. So, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the only thing I've seen, which this isn't a spoiler or anything, but at one point uh, a bus passes by and it has the uh, G, the GRC logo on it, which is the organization that helped people relocate after the blip so after they were blipped back in endgame that's ba- like and you saw that in wandavision when um when monica came back in that hospital and like everything was just going bonkers and everything was in panic and they talk about in falcon winter soldier too it was that organization that was made to help put people you know back in their lives basically yeah and thus far that really seems to be the major breadcrumb yeah um apart from and and this is more of a comic reference but there are or thus far there have been um qc codes or qr codes yeah Yeah, qr codes in the show and you can like pause and scan the codes (laughs) and it gives you a free moon knight comic Really? Um, mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, which is very that gives cool. gives him his first yeah. ever appearance in comics, which is Werewolf by Night. And he wasn't even the main character. Huh. He was a villain. Well, I wanted, Mark, I wanted us to chat a little bit about how Moon Knight's mythos has been modernized, um, particularly with regard to how the show tackles disassociative identity disorder, um, because that that can be always tricky having a character who is a hero of sorts, but they have this disorder and they are sort of playing with that thin line of like, is he, does he have some kind of mental disorder or is like, is all of this happening in his head or is there actually this external force that's causing it to happen or both? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, in the beginning of um, Moon Knight's or run i guess in like i think it was the 80s i think or 70s um moon knight actually didn't have did he just had alternate personas he would use kind of like bruce wayne and batman but it was just way more extra than that it was like you had a a bruce wayne type person who was the rich person then you had a street level person who was a taxi driver then you had a mercenary and then you had Moon Knight and you had these different people that he used like tools like I need to find out about this white collar crime ring happening. I'm going to be the billionaire. Right. OK. Somebody got mugged and their kid was kidnapped. I'm going to be the taxi driver. Right. And then more recently they started. Inter- well, not recently, but like I'd say late 90s early 2000s they started in really introducing the dissociative identity disorder and the thing i respect is they were always really vague because i think they want to shy away from saying something like oh yeah he has did and because he has did this is why he has these powers like they don't want it to be they don't really want to disrespect it like that and be like oh yeah like if you have dissociative identity disorder one of your personalities can be a superhero right because that's not you know like they don't really want to do that they want to be like he he 
his DID and his powers are separate, right? Like it's a part of who he is. And then on top of that, he has powers because of Kanshu and all that stuff. They did a good job, especially recently, of really diving into that and not really giving you a straight answer. Like they they've never really just been like, yeah, this is why he has uh, DID. Like it changes from writer to writer, which I like because it doesn't give you a clear a clear like anchor as a reader. So you're kind of as disoriented as he is kind of like in the show where like every few seconds, the setting will just change out of nowhere. And you'll be like, what, how did he get here? What's going on with this? And you are just as confused as he is, which I love the the camera work in that show. They did a great job of making you feel disoriented. Like, especially some like that first episode, man, like there were some great cuts where you're just like talking, mm-hmm. talking, talking. And then all of a sudden he's just, somewhere else and man like and and you feel bad for him because you're like man it must be really hard to live your life like this you know so i know guy just wants to go on a date (laughs) having a really hard time with that um i really like that you mentioned um sort of marvel and like the mcu's attempt to update some of these themes because as we had discussed previously it was perhaps more common in the comics of the 70s and 80s to refer to Stephen Grant or Mark Spector or whoever they were talking about as someone who had, quote, split personality disorder, which we now know is it can be a really offensive way to refer mm-hmm. to that. And it also oversimplifies the condition. Um, I was wondering if you could speak to other ways in which comics from that time period are being updated in not even just the MCU, mm-hmm. but just in comic book adaptations in general. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's one of those things to keep in mind, too, where like comics are definitely a product of their time, right? Just like any media. But like there's some there's some cringy shit in like early, early like DC, especially DC. DC has a lot, but Marvel has their share. Like there's one issue or there's one run where like Punisher just turns black just turns black and that's the whole thing he's just black and i'm like oh all right that's that's kind of weird you know you could have just used a black character you have plenty of them but whatever you know there was the original wonder woman uh power set where back when she like in her the golden era her powers would go away if her hands were tied specifically by a man and i'm like yeah that can't that can't fly now like they they needed that right out of there. Like, nope. And like, they even went, went as far to say like, she, they, they, re- they reconned it now to where now that was a tactic that Wonder Woman used. So she just acted like her powers were disabled or whatever, got into wherever she needed to go, did some um, intel and then just busted out and did whatever she had to do. And I'm like, good save, because that would have been cringe, real, real cringe. But as long as these these uh, companies, Marvel's NDC, just do a good job of like looking at some of those older problematic um, story beats and doing some way to kind of update them respectively and just not make it feel like a checkbox type of thing. Like, OK, we did it. By, like it like do the work to make it mesh with the story at least right and as long as they're doing that then it's fine well i as we wrap up here i just want to say as a harry potter fan 
I'm very envious of you being a really big Marvel fan because I feel like the MCU is delivering for Marvel fans in ways that the Wizarding World franchise is not delivering for Harry Potter fans. Um, and we chatted last week actually about how disappointed we are in the Wizarding World franchise right now. I'm wondering if you can quickly tell us how this compares to your current experience as a Marvel fan. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I remember that conversation because I was I was mad for you. I was mad for you. But like, I, I think what it comes down to is just respect. Like, I think when people are making these movies, all it takes is just to like look at the fans and be like, do we want to give the fans an experience that they're actually going to enjoy and is going to be special to them? Or are we doing this to make money? Right. Like and and like, I mean, honestly, a great example is I just saw the Sonic 2 movie and it's the Sonic 2 movie. Right. It's not like it's going to be a a work of art but that was a fun movie because the people who made the movie I were like too. yeah it was fun they were just like yeah yeah it's they, a simple premise yeah, good exactly. humor there's a lot of humor for adults mm-hmm. they even went for trump at one point which mm-hmm. made me lmao yeah yeah that was wow and actually while while i was watching it i was like why why can't fantastic beast just be right? this simple of a story like it just got way over complicated and really same thing with like these marvel and disney push shows they keep it simple mm-hmm and honestly too, like the thing with sonic is like there was a lot of stuff in that movie that were ba- basically hand picked from the games like there were scenes yeah. that were literally just like mirror images of the scenes from the games which is great because those games are like 16 32 bit so they're not super graphically like they're like a little side scroller hedgehog and knuckles and stuff but the fact that they did the work to adapt those and make the fans go oh it's that scene from whatever that's so cool right like, like that mean like that shows heart. Like they did it because they know like there's somebody out there that's gonna be really excited when they see, I don't know, Knuckles drop the I will show you the way from the meme line. Or like <laughs> I, I can't believe I, they I, first, did that. first five minutes of the movie, I was like, All right, I'm in. Uh, you got me. But like there's yeah. so much stuff they did that was like that that shows like, yeah, they, they care. They care they they are doing this. And they're making this an experience to make the fans feel good, you know, and like they nailed it. And and again, it was Sonic 2. It wasn't like it was something crazy. Like it's a and especially after the course correction did with the first movie, because we all remember the nightmare fuel. That was, I was going to say what a comeback story <laughs> for them to, you know, to do this eyes, so well. Man. And then the first one, like nobody thought it was going to get done because they had to go back to the strong. Uh, and honestly, the first so. the first one was a good course correction. It wasn't as good as this one, but like. I, as long as I don't have to see those those hideous hideous teeth, those teeth were so scary. Yeah, I forgot oh. about the teeth. Oh, they were. No. I mean, what sold me on this second Sonic movie was Tails. He was just so mm-hmm. adorable. And there's a scene that's also in the trailer with um, they're both wearing winter gear and they're yeah. like just completely covered. <laughs> in, it's like so adorable. I yeah. need stuffed animal versions. And also, you know that ta- this is another thing that shows that they care. The person who voiced Tails was the original voice actor from the Sonic video games. All this stuff that you're describing is what what gets fans to come out for stuff like this. Exactly. So yeah. just respect us, yeah, Warner just Brothers. Respe- respect please. the fans. Respect us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um well Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show today to share your deeper level of expertise on Marvel and the MCU than any of us have. Um, but I wanted to check with everyone. Final verdict. Are we going to keep watching Moon Knight? Yeah, it's only six episodes, right? 
So, yeah, like I said or, at the top of this, I want to see where it goes. I want to see mm-hmm. the mystery answered. So, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with it for now. Yeah. I mean, I live in an MCU household, so you have to yeah, watch it, Laura. Say. Yeah. yeah. Have a choice. <laughs> I, I do not live in an MCU household, but I'm probably more invested than Andrew is. So I'll keep watching. <laughs> Plus, Pam's yeah. there for Oscar Isaac, right? I am there for Oscar Isaac. He's <laughs> God wonderful. Damn, right? He's doing <laughs> yeah. such a good job. Oh, my God. Like, he is killing mm. it. Yeah, like that is some yeah. top tier acting, dude. Keep it up, like. I'm just ugh. so happy for him. You know, killed it in the new Star Wars uh, trilogy and killing it with Moon Knight, and it just it just makes it brings me much joy to see him getting the respect that he deserves. Oh yeah, and this is really exactly. showing off his acting chops too, because like I don't think people realize how hard it is to act to yourself, right? Because I mean, right, you know, he has right. he has DID, so like there are times when he's talking to himself but it's not like he's just having a conversation he's talking to himself as two different characters and they have different mannerisms different verbal cadences different accents like all these things he brings that out reminded me a lot of uh, you know willem defoe who did a fantastic job in the um the spider-man movies and oh stuff. yeah and we got yeah. to see like another taste of him in this last spider-man movie which was fantastic so yeah definitely all right. Well, Mark's going to hang around with us for the rest of the episode, including into today's After Dark, and we'll preview that in a moment. All right. What's up next today, Laura? Yeah. So I really wanted us to talk about uh, Time Magazine's top 100 most influential companies of 2022. Um, I thought it was interesting for a couple of reasons, and we can start by highlighting some of the standouts um, that we noted when we were going over this list. Some of them stand out for great reasons. Some of them stand out for questionable reasons. Um, the first one I want to highlight is Next Door. So which, influential in all the wrong ways. <laughs> yeah, it was it was listed on there for prompting kindness. Ugh. And I just wonder if anyone at Time Magazine has ever used Next Door. Were they doing that one for clicks? It's the least kind place I can think (laughs) of. I go there when I want to hear like some hot tea about my neighborhood. I do not go to next door for feel good stories. Absolutely not. Their reasoning was so bullshit, Laura. So this is the reason Time believes they are one of the most influential companies. Last year, they launched a system that scans posts for red flags and encourages users to reconsider before publishing something problematic. Nextdoor says people shown such prompts edit or withhold their content about a third of the time. You only stopped a third of the hateful bullshit content and you get to be an influential company? <laughs> Fuck off. Right. Can you imagine getting a thir- 30 on a test and being like, great job, man. You yeah. did it. Uh, yeah. Ariel in our Discord is actually saying Nextdoor prompts kindness like Facebook supports privacy. Nextdoor paid them <laughs> to be a part of this list. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But looking to um, a more positive... Um, note here, Kaling International, um, founded by Mindy Kaling. Um, It was founded in 2012 with the goal of telling stories about the inner lives of women of color that have long been missing from TV. Um, I don't know if anyone here, Pam, I think you've definitely seen Never Have I Ever. I think both of us watched that one. 
Um, and then uh, the Sex Lies of College Girls on HBO Max. Um, both of those shows have been critical hits on their streaming platforms. Never Have I Ever was actually viewed on Netflix. Season one was viewed in 40 million households, which is pretty significant um, because it is a coming of age story of a young woman of color, which I don't think we would tend to see stories centered on characters like that even 10 years ago. Um, and when you consider that her two best friends are also women of color, that's particularly noteworthy. And I looked into Kaling International a bit further, and you would think that this production studio would have um, sort of numbers of staff rivaling something like Shondaland, um, but it doesn't. It's basically Mindy and three others who run this whole studio and conceive of these ideas and make these wonderful shows happen, which I just think is awesome. I love Mindy Kaling anyway, but I think this is really cool. And I, I really enjoyed Never Have I Ever. I haven't seen Sex Lives of College Girls yet, but I liked Never Have I Ever enough that I want to check the other one out soon. I can vouch for Sex Lives of College Girls, which I was glued to when it was releasing weekly. So definitely check that out if you haven't yet, because it's a joy. And if you enjoy Mindy Kaling's writing style, then this is also just going to be a show that you really enjoy as well. I didn't even know she had a production company, so... I'm glad to have learned that. Yeah, she rocks. She's really, really made a name for herself and really like carved out a space for herself and other women of color in the industry. Um, so she's not only putting out amazing content, she's a badass who's making opportunities for herself and others, which I love. Pfizer and Moderna were both listed. Yeah. as influential companies gotta give it to them i yeah. feel like you couldn't not mention these how about johnson and johnson though were they included <laughs> i didn't notice them on the list they didn't how? get invited wait what about us we made a vaccine <laughs> too they're and like hey ours ours kind of works <laughs> i heard a I'm good just report kidding. about theirs work. lately recently yeah that over the long term it's actually doing just as well as moderna and pfizer so maybe we shouldn't yeah. hate on them as much as i initially was <laughs> no well i think people too just because it's not an mrna vaccine like the other two um, you know, people tend to approach everything with a sports team mentality nowadays. Um, I, I remember people talking about being team Moderna, team Pfizer, and it's like, oh, these are life-saving vaccines. There are no teams. Let's just back off of that. Um, so glad to see both of those listed. Um, I have to give time some props for highlighting Pfizer, Moderna, Kaling International next door. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's I think a, that was a miss time. Yeah, that's a press X to doubt on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we reduced all the hate just a little bit on our platform. We're the best. <laughs> a couple that stood out to me were ones that 
change the world in different ways or are trying to. The first one was this company. Again, I never heard of them. I like this Time article just to introduce me to new companies. Trek Bicycle. They became the world's first major bicycle manufacturer to quantify the environmental toll associated with selling bikes, publishing a sustainability report that found that producing and shipping each bike emits the same amount of carbon energy as an average car driving 430 miles. So they saw that. They thought, whoa, that's bullshit. And now they plan to reduce their reliance on air freight and use more sustainable materials and consolidate shipments. I really like that because you don't really think about that when you're buying a bike. Like you think you'll be doing some some good, but for that bike to get to you, that's the same amount of carbon energy as a car driving 430 miles. So I appreciate that Trek bicycle. And another one I saw, have any of you used Grammarly online tool? I haven't, but I've heard of it. I've seen their commercials and heard their ads. I was going to say it's always like an ad roll on YouTube for me. And I don't know if it's because the algorithm knows that I write for work or if it's just out there for everybody. But I feel like I see that ad more than anybody else. Yeah. Hopefully some sort of algorithm didn't determine that you're like a bad writer, Pam. Pam's not. Pam's not. Andrew, I'm, just... I'm going to be like self-conscious <laughs> about this. No. I'm just wondering how they figured it out. That's all I'm saying. Don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure YouTube thinks that everyone's a bad writer, so it's okay. <laughs> and then I'm too, I'm so arrogant. I'm always like, I don't need Grammarly. I went to journalism <laughs> school. I took copywriting classes. It's fine. You type in the YouTube yep. search box, best way, clean toilet, how? And Grammarly's like, whoa, <laughs> this person's going to need some help. And really, that's how we all search. So call out um, our social media manager, Chloe, is saying that all of millennial social media content goes through Grammarly. Oh, Interesting. Okay. Thanks, Grammarly. And Michelle says she uses it daily. And Elizabeth says she uses the free version. OK, that's great. I'm, I'm glad I brought this one up. So I was reading Time's piece on Grammarly. More than 30 million people use Grammarly daily to improve their written communications. The AI powered tools not only help with spelling and grammar, but also improve writing quality, consistency, clarity, clarity and efficiency. So it's a website, but they have an app, I guess, and it integrates with Microsoft Office and web browsers, etc. So it's a tool that can easily be worked into the apps that you already use. What I think is really great about this, and I don't use it either, but is how helpful it can be in people's everyday lives. I'm especially thinking about um, those who might be facing language barriers or speak a foreign language or who didn't get a proper education in writing or grammar. So just from that perspective, it really warms my heart to know that a company like this, an app is out there to assist people who I'm sure really depend on it. One of the first ones that stood out to me was Walmart, which obviously, you know, is a bigger name just because it's a big box store. But I found the copy under Walmart to be particularly interesting because they emphasize that it they were on here for investing in their workers, which was, you know, I don't know how much of this is lip service or what, but for a really long time, Walmart was synonymous with their mistreatment of workers. So mm-hmm. I really hope that this is true. But one of the things that one of the other things that I found interesting is that they were uh, citing their tuition reimbursement program which I think is really great. I know a lot of companies are implementing something similar to this now. So like Starbucks and Target have both kind of rolled out programs like this. And I just kind of feel like this is something we're going to start seeing more than more 
more and more as companies try to appear attractive to prospective employees, especially with the need for essential workers only going up. So, yeah. And there was actually a report this week, Pam, that Walmart announced they are increasing truck driver salaries, offering up to $110,000 a year, which is great news for truck drivers. I think it's been very hard to hire truck drivers recently. In fact, John Oliver uh, recently did a piece on his HBO show about the the struggles that truck drivers face. So that's good. I think like with many of these companies, not all of which we're bringing up today, obviously, Walmart has plenty of problems. They could uh, raise wages for their employees, for example. Yeah, provide better health care, too. Yeah, yeah. They've got a long way to go, but I hope this is a step in the right direction. We'll see. If it's not, we'll hear about it. Oh, yeah. People love to hate Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. The other one I just pulled out to highlight was Supergoop. And the only reason I pulled this out really is because I just talked about them on the show. And I noticed that a lot of people in the Discord were really excited to hear that I had recommended one of their products. Um, So it was really nice to see them included. And then I also really appreciated hearing that the company knows that it still has a long way to go in terms of making sure that the products that they do stock are good for all uh, skin tones. So like even the the matte screen sunscreen that I recommended, I think about two weeks ago now, works great for my skin would probably work fine for somebody lighter than me, maybe an, even like a tiny bit darker. But anybody that was excessively darker than me might have too much of a white cast to use that on their own. So I really hope that they're looking to and it sounds like they're looking to expand their line to be more inclusive, of all skin tones, which is always really great to hear, especially in cosmetics. So seriously. Well, speaking of companies in this top 100 list, there are a couple of them that have some significant news to report on. Um, First of all, Amazon was also on this list. And I thought it was particularly interesting to see them in this list um, in sort of the same month when Amazon warehouse workers on Staten Island voted to unionize a couple of weeks ago. Um, This is a first for Amazon. And we all know, and I think we've discussed on the show previously, that their corporate approach towards unionization attempts in the past wasn't great. Um, They put out a ton of anti-union propaganda to discourage warehouse workers in Alabama from unionizing. So this was a big move. And I know we've never spoken about unions on the show. And I think that's because none of us have ever been or are currently members of unions. But I thought we could briefly um, chat about that and say, are we supportive of workers unionizing? No. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) This is very exciting to see. I know Starbucks employees have been trying to unionize as well. It does feel like there's more momentum than usual around unionizing. And I'm very happy for Amazon and uh, these Amazon employees and the Starbucks employees who are trying to make it happen because, wow, their corporate bosses are fighting tooth and nail to avoid any unions from forming. So it's, it's exciting to see. 
Yeah. And super important to remember that we have unions to thank for the 40 hour work week, for the eight hour work day, for more acceptable working conditions than the ones that existed in the past, um, for workplace safety regulations. We have unions to thank for all of these things. So yes, I am also pro union and pro workers organizing. That's a good call out. Something else that I wanted to talk about because Disney is also in Time's Top 100 Companies list. We know that there's been a lot of drama with Disney lately. We've talked about this on the show over the last couple of weeks. We were really hopeful. I think a lot of Disney fans were hopeful to see Disney take a stronger stance against Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, Ultimately, they did change course and put out a pretty strong statement against House Bill uh, 1557, which is the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Um, The day that it was signed into law, the company put out a corporate statement saying our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts. And we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. Since then, Governor DeSantis and other prominent Republicans in Florida have voiced support for stripping Disney of its special privileges of self-governance around its Orlando theme parks. The TLDR here is that in 1967, Florida lawmakers authorized uh, the creation of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which granted Walt Disney extraordinary powers of self-governance, such as the ability to levy taxes and provide emergency services on land in Central Florida, um, which is home to their sprawling theme park resort. Additionally, Republican legislature legislator uh, Spencer Roach said if Disney wants to embrace woke ideology, it seems fitting that they should be regulated by Orange County. Um, so Florida Republicans are really shook that Disney has come out this strongly against the don't say gay bill and they're trying to threaten them through taking away these special privileges. I think it's a larger conversation to talk about Disney having these special privileges in the context of what's going on right now in Florida. So sort of independent of those circumstances, what do we think of large companies like Disney being granted these kinds of special privileges at all. I feel sort of icky. I mean, I know we see this a lot in California, too, with like Twitter and a lot of the the tech companies as well get granted special privileges. Usually it's in the form of tax breaks, which I think makes sense when a company is maybe first starting out. But then you reach a point where it's so big. It's like, why do you guys even need this special treatment? And um, a lot of times it, it becomes like a detriment to other people in the surrounding areas because then you think like oh if it, that person if that company just paid a little more into the pot then you know it would probably be better for everyone involved but it's always hard to revoke that unless it's it's in the case of something like this because clearly you know they're using it as a bargaining chip for something that lawmakers want it's not surprising to me at all because i'm like given another couple hundred years disney's just going to own all of america and the world and whatever planet we're on and another like that's it's just is disney like you could probably like one day like look at your foot and it just says property of disney tattooed onto it and people wouldn't be <laughs> mad i'd be mad i'd be like yeah all right 
Fair enough. They announced you know? recently they're building a special master planned community in the Palm Springs area in the next See? few years. Exactly. You will get stamped with Disney on the bottom of your foot there. Oh. And honestly, lucky. sign me if up. Lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, maybe somewhere <laughs> I was going to say, Andrew's probably already there. <laughs> Disney, Palm Springs, I'm in. Let's do Think this. Like, I remember people were complaining when Disney bought um, Fox. And it's like, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a big deal. But like, do you know how many companies Disney actually owns? Like, it's a lot. Way more than you think. Like, yeah, it's like Fox is a big one, but it's like. It's just another another Infinity Stone in the gauntlet, man. Just one more. Well, and, like, and to give you a real example of this, my mom is like a really big fan of uh, reality television. And so, of course, she tuned into that that big uh, Kardashian family interview that Robin from ABC was hosting on Friday night. And she goes to me, she's like, um, I just I don't understand. Like Robin, like really didn't ask any good questions. And I was like, well, of course, mom, because the Kardashians are going to Hulu and Robin works for ABC. And who do you think owns both of those? It's Disney. So right. they're all under one blanket. Of course, they're not going to ask hardball questions or hold any of these people accountable for, you know, actually answering questions right instead of sidestepping. This is not like an Oprah situation. They're softballing yeah. for a reason. And the thing is, like, I'm torn because I recognize that they have way too much power. But like, because of that power, I got to see Spider-Man in the, in the MCU finally. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I'm like, there's eh. upsides to everything, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, and then the it's X-Men are good next. and bad thing. X-Men are next because they have Fox now. So it's like, eh. one could say with uh, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, you could. Exactly. You, could. you can't anymore. Disney owns that and they're going to sue you for yep. saying that. You're going to be like, uh, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hate to interrupt this, but we have just received some breaking news. Andrew, oh. the Millennial Studio has received an official statement from Disney. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's coming from Mickey Mouse. Hold on. Let me Holy shit. play this clip. The big boss. Oh, boy. Florida Republicans are at it again, aren't they? What they seem to forget is that Mickey is daddy. I'm the largest employer in the Orlando area, motherfuckers! Remember what Central Florida was before I came around? Swamps and alligators, bitches! You are trying to pick a fight with me? I fucking own you, DeSantis! Guess what? I have theme parks all over the world! You think I can't find somewhere other than Florida to play in a brand new Star Wars theme park? How about a nice Avengers campus out west? Before you know it, no one will have any reason to visit the dumpster heat that is Central Florida. I put that shit on the map, and don't you forget it! And just in case you're not clear on my stance... Mickey says gay, it sounds oh, like. Mickey, my goodness. Mickey is daddy. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it, man. He has enough money. What, you gonna say no? Everybody was laughing at that, but everybody was on mute. I'm going to ban those mute buttons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to interrupt the, the... Right. We didn't want to take away from Mickey's <laughs> very statement. important yeah, statement. I don't, you, you, you don't interrupt the mouse, okay? Ah, uh, yeah. And he was very do angry. That. I you see. He'll I fucking see. kill That's you, it. man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't want Mickey to take a hit out He's on like, me. He's like, have you ever seen... Uh, what's that? The It's a Small World After All? What's that ride? Yeah, It's a Small World. Yeah, it's called It's a Small that's, World. That's, it's a Small World. Yeah, those were real people. In the beginning, <laughs> they turned into little puppets. And then Mickey's like, "All right, 
So I recorded that version today, but last week I was in a hotel room for the recording and I recorded one in the hotel room when we thought we would do that segment, the segment on last week's episode. I was so nervous recording that in the hotel room, thinking of like people walking by and hearing <laughs> somebody pretend to do a really big voice screaming their heads off. <laughs> I was like, I was doing it one sentence at a time and then pausing and then listening to hear if I heard like footsteps going by or something. I was so insecure doing it. Some little kid's like, mommy, <laughs> why is Mickey so mad? <laughs> why oh, is he man, screaming that was so gay? Good. Andrew, are you okay? <laughs> Honestly, I need to retire from that voice for a little while. My throat hurts for like an hour after doing it. So ask okay, me again later in to, the year. We might need to find like a, a Mickey Mouse voice generator online. <laughs> you can just do text to speech with it. Yeah. It was perfect. Well, thank you, Mickey, for that statement. Um You're Millennial supports Disney. Yeah. That was a pretty on team Disney forceful statement from Mr. Mouse. And can't argue with it. Well, we also got this confessional this week, and I thought it could uh, spur some discussion and actually is a good way to lead us into this week's After Dark as well. So this person wrote in, I'm tired of spending so much money on other people's weddings. I'm in two weddings this summer, and I've had to pay for bridesmaids' dresses, bachelorette parties, hair and makeup, accommodation, etc. I know it's very nice that people want me to be in their wedding, so it makes me feel really bad for saying it, but I'm so irritated that I'm literally spending more money on other people's weddings than I am on things I want right now. I feel constantly like I shouldn't do things I want to do, like go on short trips, go out for food, go see shows, or buy things I want. I want because I'm constantly having to spend money on wedding things for other people. I don't like the expectation that being close with someone means you have to spend tons of money for their wedding, and I wish it felt like less of a burden. It's making me feel bitter about the whole thing when it should just be a happy occasion. Am I the asshole? I thought we would all have thoughts on this. This is a pretty good one, I think. Yeah. I don't think you're the asshole for feeling that way, but if you feel that way, you should say no. Yeah. To being asked. And I've been there too. I Mark knows. Oh, I've yeah. been in the situation where I've been asked to be in a wedding that I really just didn't have like the financial or don't use the financials or the time. I thought, I thought you were about to say bandwidth. I was about to be like, get out of here. No. Uh, he thought I was going to go corporate speak. The bandwidth. No, like I, I genuinely didn't have the financial um, sort of organization or the time to commit to it. And if, you know, you have a friend who is particularly traditional and they're looking to do the whole bachelorette party, maybe a destination type event, they're looking to have bridesmaids purchase their own dresses and things like that, it can get really pricey. So if you're not feeling up to making that commitment, it's probably better just to say no. Yeah, I mean, I've never gotten married, but um, I did have a quinceanera back in the day. And I feel like that's a good training ground for a wedding because a lot of it is very similar. You have um not bridesmaids, but you have a court. And one thing that we did was when I knew who I wanted to be part of that court, which was rather large for a quinceanera. I think I think I had like 
16 people total so like eight girls and eight boys something like that it was it was a a big to do but um i just wanted to make sure that everybody knew how much money was going to be spent or how much money would be implied that 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 those people would have to put in and it was very important for my mom too so we got all of the parents together and we like figured out how much money everybody was comfortable spending and and we like laid it out and i wish more people would do that for weddings instead of just assuming that all of their friends can at the drop of a hat or even in a year you know put together the money to do all this stuff because you know like Laura was saying, dresses get really expensive. And then God forbid the bride wants to do like a huge trip for the, um, the, uh, bachelorette party. Cause that racks up really fast too. And you don't want to be like the only person saying no, but I, I get that, especially if it's not somebody very close or even if it is someone really close, it can be hard to just say like, Hey, like I, I really want to be there for you. And I really want to be a part of this, but I'm just concerned that I don't have the money to do this right now. Yeah. yeah and I want to, I want to be there for you in the way that you're looking for your bridal right. party to be there right, for exactly. you. And I, I don't want to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. But yeah. I do think I also think that like as a bride, you should be aware of how much that perfect dress is like. I don't think like a bridesmaid's dress should have to be, you know, upwards of five hundred dollars because that's not really fair to your friends who are probably going to only wear that dress one time. And there are also like cheaper alternatives that look just as nice. Yeah. So I know that's not the case for everybody, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes I just kind of feel like there's really no regard for like the, um, like other people's budgets when it comes to a wedding. And I get, I get just like being, um, having tunnel vision because it's like, it's your day. Yeah. And I mean, Mark and I actually had a friend who, um, for her bridesmaids dresses, she gave everyone the color that she wanted and was like, just go buy whatever dress you want as long as it's in this color. I think that's a really great way to do it. That's inclusive of people's preferences and budgets and things like that. Um, So there, there are ways to be a considerate bride. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I think it kind of goes both ways in terms of the bride needs to be considerate of the people that she's asking to do this thing for her. Um, but if you're asked, honesty is the best policy. I think yeah. travel is such a big aspect for a lot of people as well. I mean, yep. that's close to a thousand dollars you're probably spending on travel alone. Mm-hmm. I have turned down weddings for people I don't know too well because I don't want to spend hundreds, maybe a thousand dollars on hotel and airfare. Like, uh, Pat has gone to a couple weddings back in Wisconsin that I have not gone with him for because I barely know these people and I don't feel like spending money on it. If they were like super important to Pat and he wanted me to go, okay, maybe. But I'm not flying anywhere for some strangers just because they know the person I'm with. So I I draw the line there. And then you also have to consider things like, if I am, you know, these motherfuckers better stay together if I'm traveling for this wedding. Sorry to make it about me, but that's a real question you have to ask with marriages since we do know roughly 50% end in divorce. I came out here to Vegas for a wedding from LA, so it wasn't a big deal for me and I like coming here, but that marriage ended in divorce. In divorce, and I'm like, well, shit, 
I you also need to buy back. a gift too. So that's yeah, more money, you know. Right. Oh, right, right, right. But yeah, obviously, if you don't go, then you send a gift along, and maybe you make it a little better, uh, larger of a gift. Yeah. Since you aren't attending and you've saved so some money. Maybe y'all can tell me if this makes me an asshole. I feel like if I have to travel for a wedding, and by travel, I mean get on an airplane or drive a very long distance. You know, if it's in the area, like, of course, you'll drive there. But if it's like a full on road trip or I'm getting on an airplane, the gift is that I'm coming to your wedding. <laughs> yes. I'm not 100%. I'm not buying another thing on top of that. That that should be a rule. It should, should be, be a rule. And in return, I would never expect that for like if right. somebody came to my wedding and they flew to be there, I would not expect that person to get me a gift. Oh, Pam, do you hear this? Let's remember this for when Laura and Mark I, yeah, get married. Yeah, the gift is Andrew and I. <laughs> yeah, a live episode precisely. of Millennial. I know, that's that's what you're going to get from Andrew. The greatest gift of all, of all is your wedding being live streamed for views on Patreon. Oh, dear God. In this scenario, no. best friends, yes, I would get you a gift, even with traveling. Absolutely. But I do generally yeah. agree with that thought, Laura. And honestly, too, I think all of this, uh, the financial aspect is definitely important. But also you have to talk about just just the emotional and mental aspect. Like that's a lot of stress. Right. So it's like if you got shit going on in your life at that point where you just can't handle that on top of what you're dealing with, like it's okay to say no. Right. Like I know it doesn't seem that way because of how things are like, you know, in marketing and like social norms and stuff but like yeah you got to take care of yourself first right it's like we, it's like we got to do dare but for weddings it's like just say no <laughs> say no to weddings you don't want to go to yeah you know like a week after we spoke about dare i saw a bunch of people promoting dare out front of starbucks i was really? like what no are the way. chances unironically like they yeah were no, no it was a real dare huh. group i don't know what you, you call them you should have got a shirt I know. Well, I still have my shirt from from oh, okay. uh, elementary school, I'm proud to say. So I don't fit in it because it is from elementary school. But I was like, what are the chances? I don't see Dare in years. And then yeah. they're in front of my Starbucks. What the hell? So I did a line of Coke in front of them just to uh, fuck go. with them. That'll that'll learn them. I want to point out Michelle in the Discord is showing a great example of how <laughs> a bride can be considerate of her bridesmaids. Um, she said, I met my bridesmaids in the middle financially. We sat down and talked about budgets and I met anything they couldn't justify. My maid of honor flew in from Korea. I didn't expect her to come to anything except the actual wedding. And I paid for her dress, hair, makeup, and any other costs that were related to the wedding. She stayed with her parents to save some money. I also That's offered to amazing. cover the flight. And she refused. So you, you made the offer, right? You're a yeah. good friend, mm -hmm. Michelle. You are a good friend. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing, too. Like, I don't know how and maybe Mark or Andrew can speak to this. I don't know what it's like to be a groomsman, but to be a bridesmaid, it's like I think a lot of times people just think oh, it's probably like the dress and just showing up. There's so much more involved in it, especially if like you have a bride that wants everybody to have the same hairstyle or wants everybody to have like get their makeup done exactly the same from like the same makeup artist. And all of that costs so much money. Even if you send everybody to like the Mac counter, that's still $50 dollars just to get your makeup done yeah. or even like at sephora i think it's 50 dollars just to get your makeup done and that's mm. like even though like it's yeah. you're technically buying it in products it's still expensive it's not like that for guys at no. all i mean 
I was a I was a bridesmaid for one of my friends' weddings, and it uh-huh. was. I mean, there there was a lot of stuff, but it was all they were really low key. So it's like there's a bunch of parties, and that was the same person that's like, yeah, this is the color of it. So just buy a shirt or something that fits, and that's it. And I just went to all their makeup stuff and just sat there like, all right, well, man, chilling my my game boy or more my DS, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Also, dresses are criminally expensive. Like that is there's no business. That's that's dumb. That's real dumb. It's the same with with prom too. Like it's always more like with guys you can like rent. I guess now that there are more options like rent the runway and stuff like that. But it, it gets harder when you when you have, um, you know, a situation where you want like when the person creating the event or the person who the event is for wants everybody to look uniform with tuxes it's pretty easy but when you start talking mm-hmm. about dresses for women it's very hard for like you know four or five women to rent the same dress because that's also implying yeah. that the same like the sizing is all the same too so yeah, and it has to be like a custom cut or something sometimes yeah and like even with with uh with guys like you have the option if you get a suit and you like it you could just keep it because it's a suit right like you'll use you can right. use a suit again but like yeah. Most of these wedding colors, you're never going to wear that again. Like you're never going <laughs> to wear a, a salmon pink dress. Oh, are you talking about the one that I had to wear to a wedding yes. like 10 years ago yes, that I, I definitely gave to Goodwill yep. afterwards? Yep. Um, because I looked naked in it. Like with my skin tone, the dress was peach. So against my skin tone, I just looked nude. I mean, I thought it was just a nudist wedding from what you described. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> never gonna wear this again um and i swear to god if anyone tells me you can shorten it and wear it again i'm gonna like deck them in the job because (laughs) no never again you can still have a pretty traditional and formal wedding it's just important to communicate that's what it all boils down to is just communication and don't be afraid to say no yeah Yeah. and explain why i think they'll understand exactly yeah, like it's... or honestly if it's just like hey i just i i have a lot of shit going on right now and i just can't do this like that's okay just lie too if you need to <laughs> i got something else going on it's my grandmother's birthday i i can't make it i got a graduation whatever just make something up who cares they'll never catch you just be careful what you post on social media that weekend <laughs> there you go obviously we talked about weddings but are there any other events that we have felt pressure to shell out money for because when i was thinking about this the first thing that came to mind was milestone birthdays it's like you know, friends that want to go all out for, say, like a 21st or 30th and want to make it like a destination event at Vegas or something else. Or like a bachelorette party, bachelor party. Those usually involve trips. My sister just went to Nashville yeah. for her best friend's bachelorette party. Yeah, I think um, I tried to have a, a milestone birthday trip to here in Vegas, but I think I've mentioned this once or twice before. Uh, my birthday was the week of the Lost series finale, TV show Lost. So I was like, hey, friends in L.A., you want to come to my birthday in Vegas? I'm turning 21. It's a really big deal. Nobody showed up because everybody wanted, wanted to watch the Lost finale in L.A. at special Lost events. I was like, oh, I see who my friends really are. And I'm looking around the room. None. <laughs> just being the stripper. Right, Laura? That's when Laura ordered me a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think I was alone in ordering you a stripper. That was a no. group effort. But this, I want to point out, Andrew is such a good friend um, because for my 21st birthday, I went to New York City with some friends 
And I wasn't, I didn't expect anybody to get on a plane and come out to celebrate my 21st birthday because I just didn't feel like that would be a reasonable thing to ask. But Andrew did. He coordinated with our other friends to come out and join us on that little trip to New York. And it was so funny because I found out about it before the surprise because one of our (laughs) other friends let it slip. So then I texted him was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited you're coming. And he was relieved that I had found out because he hates surprises I and do. it was stressing him out. My my brother, when he was here a couple of weeks ago, he was like, do you want to surprise mom by coming home for her retirement party? I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> doing a surprise again. It's too stressful. <laughs> by surprising them, they don't have time to look forward to it. So like, I want my mom to look forward to me coming home for her retirement party. So yeah. that's another reason. I, I just hate. Yeah, I grew out of that really quick. But yes, that yeah. that was a fun time, Laura, for your 21st. It was. And see, now that I remember that, I'm like, oh, shit, I have to get Andrew a gift when he gets married. <laughs> he came out for my 21st birthday. <laughs> Good news. I'm not sure I'm getting married. So <laughs> you can just send me a check anyway. Wow. Yeah. Life is very long. You might change your mind. I'll, I'll come present it to you in person. <laughs> if I'm like on my deathbed and <laughs> like my final words to Laura, like, Laura, I never got married can I have the money you were going to give me? <laughs> sure. My dying breath, I'm grabbing a $100 bill from Laura. She takes it back out of my yeah, cold dead hands. She takes it back. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Stupid I'm idiot. I'm like, just withhold my last check. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap the show up today, just wanted to take a quick moment to plug our Patreon. You can find our Patreon with all of our bonus content over at patreon.com slash millennial. We've got After Dark. We've got Palace Intrigue. We've got the Discord community where folks who pledge at the 5 and $10 level are able to connect their Discord to get into the exclusive Millennial Discord and chat with us live while we're streaming. We also have a new variety show that's going to be going up in the next few days. We're going to be talking about a grab bag of news that has happened over the last couple of weeks that hasn't been able to make the show. So really looking forward to that. And then in After Dark today, we're going to be doing an Am I the Asshole edition. Each of us has brought a story, um, in some cases from our youth, I think in some cases maybe more recently, and we're going to be sharing, get a little bit, getting a little bit personal and asking each other, truthfully, am I the asshole for thinking this thing or doing this thing? Um, So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we also got some Patreon submissions. I don't know if we'll get to those today, but we definitely will get to them in the weeks to come because they they are very good. Um, So head on over to patreon.com slash millennial if you're interested in supporting the show. You can support us for as low as $2 a month, and we appreciate all of your support. Yes, we do. So with that, if you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are Millennial Show. And then on our TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. And we're posting highlights from the show and some other show-related material throughout the week, every week. Speaking of social... Our social media manager, Chloe, will be joining us next week. So that should be a lot of fun. 
And by the way, that episode will be out most likely Thursday instead of our normal Wednesday time. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Mark. It was nice having you on. Always a pleasure. If you need to summon me again, just talk about Marvel or Smash. Say the word. I'm here. There you go. (laughs) Mark, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Yeah, me and my buddy uh, Russell, also known as Durden77, uh, it's D-U-R-D-E-N 77 on YouTube, have just been talking about Marvel stuff. Like We have like hour and a half videos of us just talking about Spider-Man. Uh, we break down the Doctor Strange 2 trailer. Uh, there's an older one of us talking about Spider-Verse. So if you want to hear us just nerd out for an hour each video then there you go and we're trying to make them shorter but it's a work in progress we really like marvel so (laughs) you can't help it can't help it. we'll link to his channel in the show notes thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm laura i'm pamela and i'm mark bye everyone Bye. Bye. bye